the Holy Spirit is, is he's here within you guys, resident within you. So put him to work. He's here to help. Now, he's not going to go out and get you a car. I mean, I'm not talking about that. But you put him to work. Pray in your prayer language. He's going to roto-rooter that junk out that doesn't belong there. He's going to roto-rooter. He's going to bring it to the service so it's not a part of your life anymore. Us older generation, we didn't have that knowledge. You guys got that knowledge. It shouldn't take very long to roto-rooter it out. Sometimes for us older people, it takes a little bit longer. Because we've got things that we've built up, strongholds that we've had erected for a long time, whether they be air or truth or whatever it is, we need to get rid of some of those things. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we should have a stronghold of righteousness. I want to make a clarify what I said. We have, there's strongholds within us. Remember that one Sunday I had those different places where like fear, maybe a stronghold of fear, a, tr- a stronghold of doubt and unbelief. Maybe you've heard a wrong teaching through your, through your life and, and it's hindering you. Uh, I'll tell you the one that, well, no, maybe I won't. I was going to tell you the one that I had just come across myself that was a wrong, it's a wrong teaching that I heard for years, years, wrong, wrong. Well, I can share this one with you. You know, in Romans 8, 28, it says, All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Well, you know, somebody told me, well, you can just, I was going through a tough situation. It was a, um, um, I had been engaged and this guy had, had a mental breakdown. So I was working through this situation. And they said, oh, you can just say all things work together for for good. And I'm going, well, yeah, God's good, but how's it all going to work together? Well, if you look at Romans 8, 26 and 27, he intercedes, you pray, you pray. And then that causes everything to work together for good. Does that make sense? So, so we have to, um, apply the word in some of those areas to pull down the strongholds and the strongholds are those exalted thoughts that are above the knowledge of God. We don't want exalted thought that's above the knowledge of God. We want to pull it down so it's not a part of our life. Because when we've got a stronghold that's more, that's, that thinks it's more important than God, then, then we motivate or we act, we act on that stronghold instead of acting on, on uh, God's word. So those strongholds need to be pulled down. And we talked about that last week. Um, in doing, uh, let's see, let's Second Corinthians, if you want to start there. Second Corinthians chapter 10. That is, this is not where we're starting. <laughs> I don't know if I need to tell the Lord that or not, but this is not where we're starting. But anyway, here we are. We're starting here. <laughs> and hopefully we're working into the message that I have for today. But Second Corinthians um, chapter 10. Verse um, three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Our enemy is not, is not the flesh and blood person sitting next to you. Our enemy is not the flesh and blood person that called you on the phone and chewed you out. That's not our enemy. Okay. For, for though, verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful, for the destruction of fortresses or the pulling down of strongholds. I think King James says strongholds. I'm not sure. Uh, verse 5, we are destroying. When we're pulling down those strongholds, praying in the spirit, we pull those strongholds down. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive 
to the obedience of Christ. So, you know, your mind wants to run and it wants to run against the things of God. Uh, Galatians says the flesh is opposed to the spirit and the spirit is opposed to the flesh. And they want a war with each other. And so, so praying in your prayer language helps you, helps you um, build your, this edifice up on the inside. It builds this edifice up so that you can uh, not walk in the flesh, but walk in the spirit. Okay? That's why I was encouraging all the young people to make sure they do that. Okay? Walk, walk uh, pray in your prayer language. Let's, um, let's get over to our lesson for today. Um, Basically, we can start with Romans 5, 17 out of the Amplified. Know that it was important to the Lord that we pray for the youth this morning. So um, I appreciate you, everybody, uh, helping with that and praying for them. Okay, um, Romans 5, 17 out of the Amplified. Um, for if because of one man's trespass, now we know who the one man's trespass was. That was Adam. Um, death reigned through that one, which more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the th- free, grip, free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, reign as kings in the life through one Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. They reign. We reign. Okay, because of the death, uh, because of what Adam did, and he um, brought sin, he brought death to the whole human race. Now, Jesus came, which is the second Adam. Jesus came to set us free from that, that sin nature. And so when he came to do that, everything that was nailed, everything that was uh, sin, sickness and disease, poverty, fear, uh, you name it, everything was nailed to the cross. And then we were given everything that pertains to life and godliness. And if you look, let's look at that in, in Peter. I think it's important that we see this. We've been talking about this for some time, but let's look at that for in Second Peter, that chapter one, verse three, chapter one, verse three, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. Okay, so godliness, we'll just label that as the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And then life is, is uh, power, uh, love, soundness of mind, um, healing for our bodies. We've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. Do you see that? Everything. We've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. So... All of the bad stuff was nailed to the cross. And at that point in time, when you accept Jesus as Lord, you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. So resident within you is love. Resident within you is joy. Resident within you is healing. Healing. Uh, the, the next school is in, in, in the 22nd is on healing and praying for the sick. Because that's our job as a believer, to go lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. That's everybody's job. Your job, your job, your job. Everybody's job to lay hands on the sick, to preach the gospel, to cast out devils and to speak with new tongues. That's everybody's job. Okay? And so, so, um, so healing is resident. I know this may sound foreign, but it's resident within you already. Because of your in Christ position and the life of God that's in you. 
It's your in Christ position. It's already resident. All right. So, um, so when you, when you need a, a I, I put this to work in my own life for years, but let's say I'm not feeling real joyful right now. So what am I going to do about that? Oh, oh, what was me? Well, I need to make a choice to be joyful because it's resident within me. If I have, if I have been cleansed by the blood of the lamb and I have been set free from everything that, that, that everything that, that is death and I have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, then within me is life and godliness and I can choose to yield to joy. I can choose to yield to the fruit of the spirit. I can choose. I can choose. So there's no place for depression in our lives. There's no place for that. There's no place for sadness. There's no place for sickness and disease. No place. It has all been nailed on the cross. That's where our minds need to be renewed to the fact that it's been nailed on the cross and we are free from it. We are free from sickness and disease. I know it comes knocking on your door, but you don't have to receive it. I know it comes knocking on your door and you don't have to get fearful of it. You know, this, whatever this new thing out, this new thing that's out right now, we can choose to be in fear of it or we can choose to say, well, God has set me free. I am healed by the blood of the lamb. Amen. I am victorious. We can choose to, we can choose to walk in that. We choose to walk in love. I, you know, there's times in my life where I've been in situations where it wasn't very, I didn't want to love very much. I didn't want to be kind to them. But you know, the fruit of the spirit, we're supposed to be training ourselves, making our flesh line up with what's already been done on the cross in Christ Jesus and who, that we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. New things have come. Well, the new things is that you have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. You have been given healing. You have been given love. You have been given joy. You have been given peace. Now you need to choose to walk in them. You just choose to do that. So I was saying there's been situations where, uh, you know, um, things, the person wasn't very kind. I've used this story before, but I, when I worked at Fisher's, this lady wanted to hit me. She just wanted to hit me. And I had no idea what was going on. I was just being myself. So my boss called us in and she, she says, I just want to hit you because you're, see, I was, my job was to go help people do their jobs. So I was helping her do her job <laughs> anyway, because we had to get a total and it was my responsibility. So I was trying to, I was trying to help her do her job and she didn't like it. And I didn't know it, but I, cause I was doing my job but anyway. So, you know, after that I, I said, well, you know, listen, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you or anything. Even though I didn't do anything wrong, what's wrong with saying I'm sorry? Huh? What's wrong with saying I'm sorry? What's wrong with saying I'm sorry? Even if you didn't do anything wrong, you can still walk in love and say I'm sorry. Well, you know what? That turned that lady completely around and she started coming to me for, she wanted me to ask, she asked me for prayer about different situations. And I still run into her in the store. And the last time I ran into her in the store, she says, my son, my son's looking for a church. <laughs> and I said, well, okay, he's welcome to come. You know, I haven't seen him yet, but she, see that stuck in her mind. The things of God have stuck in her mind. And now she thinks about that when she sees me, that's the first thing out of her mouth. You know what I mean? Well, that's good. Anyway, so, so we can make a choice to walk in love. We can make a choice to be kind. 
We can make a choice to forgive. That's who you are in Christ. We can make a choice to always allow everything to come out of our mouth that is truth, that is edifying, that is kind, that is respectful. Everything coming out of our mouth should be that way. Okay? Everything. Everything. So we, we make a choice. See, the Bible says to do everything that comes out of our mouth should be of edification to the ears of the hearer. And, and so we should be edifying the ears of the hearer. Do you know none of this is my message? <laughs> That's what's so, so I'm going, Lord, this is not at all what we were talk, going to talk about. I was going to talk about demonic influences, and that's a fun thing for me to talk about. That's what we were going to talk about, that we've been given everything. But anyway, he wants to get across we've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. Amen? Okay. So, um, let's see. Oh, Lord, how do you want to tie that scripture verse up here? Okay, let's look. Um, I think we better go to... Um, Ephesians 1. Let's look at Ephesians 1. We're going to start hitting a little bit. I think he's letting me off of that now. <laughs> I think. Anyway, Ephesians 1. Do you know... Um, okay. Do you know that in uh, Mark 16, it says that we're to preach the gospel, we're to lay hands on the sick and they recover, and we're to cast out devils. Or to cast out devils. Okay. Um, well, just hold your finger there in Colossians. I got, he's got me going somewhere else. Um, just hold, we'll come back to Ephesians. But Colossians, we're talking about um, chapter 2, if you, if you are following me. Um, verse 13. Um, Let's see. No, we're going to, well, we'll start there. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our sins or transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Again, he's nailed all of the sin Everything that is wrong has been nailed to the cross. All of sickness and disease has all been nailed to the cross. All poverty has been nailed to the cross. Amen? Okay, and so 15, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, who disarmed them? Jesus did. When he had disarmed how did he disarm them? He was nailed to the cross, okay? He had made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. There, that one act, nailing to the cross, he made a public display. Every time, every time we walk in victory against the schemes and tactics of the enemy, we make a public display of him. We make him look like a laughing stock. He doesn't like it when we get the victory. And he's got lots of schemes and tactics to hinder you from walking out your, your walking out what God has called you to do. He wants to stop that. Okay, so um, back to, um, and, and I got to tell you in verse 9, if you look up there at verse 9, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. I, I've got to read, you know, that's a favorite one of mine. I've got to read that in, um, in the Amplified. If you haven't seen this in the Amplified, it is, is wonderful. Um, 
Let's see. Verse 9 in the Amplified. For in him, in Jesus, in him, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form. The whole Godhead dwells in him in bodily form. And giving complete expression of the divine nature. And you are in him. You are in him. I am in him. You are in him. Bowen, you're in him, aren't you? Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Sorry, I make sure. Anyway, you are in him. Jasmine, you're born again in him, right? Okay, so you are in him. And verse 10, and you are in him, made full, and have come to fullness of life. In Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead. You, I mean, it's the word. You can't lie. In Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit and reach full spiritual stature. And he is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic principality and power. In you, the good, the Godhead in its fullness dwells in you. There is no place, there is no reason why the devil needs to run you over. No reason. No reason. We have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. And we... Luke ten nineteen says that we tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. Nothing will injure you. Nothing will injure you. I'm, I'm talking about situations like, um, this has been a few, few years back, but there was a guy that um, uh, was just up day and night. His pastor flew him back from California. I don't know if some of you have heard this story or not, but Dick used to tell it a lot, but I don't think I've shared it very much. But, but anyway, um, he'd been up day and night. His pastor didn't know what to do, brought him back here. Um, and so they started calling people that knew something about dealing with demonic influences. So they called me on the phone. They said, what do we do? What do we do? I said, well, first of all, <laughs> stop yielding to a spirit of fear. And just say the name of Jesus. Just Jesus. Might have died. Oh, no, it's back on. Okay, well. All right, I must have been saying something the devil didn't like. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, the name of Jesus. Oh, let's see, where were we? Okay, okay I was telling that story. Anyway, the, the guy had been programming Dungeons and Dragons. So he became possessed. That's why you don't, you young people, you don't play those silly games. You know, you don't play them. It, it, so, so you don't you don't play that kind of junk, guys. You just don't do it. You don't even give it a thought because it's not anything that's going to possess you. Remember the two little girls I told you that had just w- played uh, the Ouija board just out of, well, I've heard this is fun. Let's play it. You know. Well, then they had that devil that was following them around in their home, pulling the pictures off the walls and threatening to kill the mother and all that. And so I told you about that story last week. Well, this one, this guy had been programming Dungeons and Dragons. And, um, and so he was, he was just possessed. He wasn't born again. Now, if you're born again, it can't possess you. Demonic influences cannot possess you, but they can oppress you. All right. But it's no big deal. Remember, I keep telling you they're, they're nothing. The ones we deal with are nothing. They're just nothings. Okay. <laughs> they don't like that either. Anyway, <laughs> um, so this, this uh, um, devil was running, this guy that was yielded to this was just running around the room, just flying around the room. It took six guys to hold him down, and he still was fluttering in the, in the air. Anyway, m- my husband just stepped back, and he wasn't sure what to do about this. And so he said, Lord, what, what should I do? And the Lord said, hold him in contempt. 
And so he started laughing at him. And um, laughing at him, laughing at him, and then that got the guy's attention. And come on, what are you laughing at? Well, you think you're more powerful than God. And, and anyway, then he, the guy came around, and he was making fun of him, praying in his prayer language, all kinds of stuff, you know. Anyway, he commanded that devil to come out of him. He just he went around the room like you let a balloon air out of a balloon, and then he just fizzled right in front of him. And Dick got him born again, spirit spirit filled. Well, he had such a change. I mean, when, when people have been possessed like that and you minister to them, they have such a change in expression on their face. And so uh, his wife had seen, had seen such a change in him. She wanted to be set free that night as well. So we, uh, we went back later, Dick and I and a couple other couples. She had been learning to levitate knives to kill people. And so, so we went in and ministered to her. And um, she was set free, too. So they came to her house a couple of days after that and did just such a difference, just such a difference when people get set free from that. When they get born again, set free, baptized in the Holy Spirit, they change. They just literally change. And so anyway, um, they came and visited, and they looked so different, and they were set free. Anyway, we have that. We have the ability to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure us. Let's look at that in Luke ten nineteen, shall we? I didn't go back to Ephesians, did I? But I will. <laughs> Sorry about that. Luke ten nineteen. Uh, some translations say, I think King James says um, power. I believe um, mine says authority. Um, Behold, I have given you authority. Jesus is talking. He's talking to his disciples. I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing, nothing shall injure you. Okay, when I taught children's church, I used to have these rubber snakes. I think some of you found them downstairs, and I put them on the floor, and I would demonstrate that we tread upon serpents and scorpions. And we tread upon him when we, over all the power of the enemy. And we tread upon him. And you, and you say, well, didn't Jesus defeat them? Well, yes, he did on the cross. But you know what? We have to enforce their defeat. That's our job. Our job is to enforce their defeat. We can't let them just run over us like a bulldozer. We enforce their defeat. So when, a, when you get a, a spirit of fear comes knocking on your door, you command it to get off of you. When you have a... a um, whatever, let's just say a lot of the sicknesses and diseases are, are demonic. Uh, the, those come to attack you. You break their power and command them to get off of you in Jesus' name. They don't have a right. The name of Jesus is above every name, and every name has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And you have to have faith in that, that when you speak the name of Jesus, everything is going to bow its knee to that name. If you can get out nothing but Jesus is Lord Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. It has to bow its knee. Amen. Okay. So, so we we have we are in charge of de- enforcing the defeat of the demonic influences. That's our that's our job. Okay. That's our job. Casting out devils. That's our job to enforce their defeat. They've already been defeated. But if they don't, if they think you don't know that, they're going to come and just use you up one side and down the other. So you have to use your, you have to use your authority 
and, and command them to get off of you in Jesus' name. Command them to go off your kids. Command them to go off your family. Command them to get off your finances in Jesus' name, okay? Now, I understand there are things, there are things that we do that opens the door for the demonic influences. There are things that we do. We miss it, and, and there are things that, that, that happen like that that we need to take responsibility for and change in our life. You know, if there's a, um, well, we'll just use a, I'll just use me as an example. You know, uh, if, I, if I move into a place and I'm, I'm held accountable stronger now than I used to be. I don't know if that's the right word, but, but if I get my little toe out here in an area of care and anxiety, I open up the door for sickness and disease to hit me. If I get my, if I, because I know too much truth. That's why I say it doesn't take very much for me to get hit, you know. But I have to quick, I have to be quick to repent, quick to get that area uh, closed up so that it's not um, a problem, amen? So, so there are things that we do. We get over in care and anxiety. We open up the door to a spirit of fear. There's things that, that God has instructed us not to do and that we need to repent and deal with it, okay? So... Um, so Luke ten nineteen, I have given you a power or authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And um, let's see. I was going to talk a little bit on treading. How do we tread? How do we tread upon serpents and scorpions? How do we do that? I think that um, Goliath, I think Goliath is, let's go over to 1 Samuel. I, I don't want to keep you too long because I know it's getting later now than what we're used to doing and um first uh, samuel um, about goliath goliath was an excellent example of treading treading using the name of jesus is one thing that we can do to tread upon serpents and scorpions <laughs> okay and i let's see let's start with um we're going to jump around. We're not going to read this whole story. You can if you'd like, but um, um, verse 8. We'll start with first, verse 8 of chapter 17. Okay, First Samuel 17, chapter, or verse 8, chapter 17. And he stood and shouted to the ranks. This is Goliath, stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in a battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that he may fight, that we may fight together. Now, verse 11 is the key. When Saul and all Israel heard this, these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Afraid. See, that, that, that spirit of fear w- w- wants, to hinder, wants to hinder the victory from happening. And so we can't, when we, when we get um, overwhelmed with uh, things that are going on in our life, whatever it is, whether it's sickness and disease or if it's uh, um, a bad grade in school, whatever it is, we have to, 
We have to exalt the name of Jesus, but we can't yield to a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear is going to open the door for the enemy. You're going to want to run the other way, and, and it won't, you, you're eventually going to have to come back and deal with it, whatever fear you've been dealing with. Okay, if you don't face it off, you'll eventually have to do that. I'll use me as an example. You remember I, I was telling you that uh, when I was, um, um, I could have made a choice when Richard left. I could have made a choice to follow, but the Lord told me he wanted me to pastor here for a season, for a time. I mean, there's more coming, but, I mean, there's things happening, but I can't tell you any of those things yet. But anyway, <laughs> I like to tease you back there, Jeff. Anyway, there's things, there's things that the God's doing in this area. It's, it's big stuff. And so, um, but anyway, I, I, I could choose to walk away from here. And it would have been okay, but it wouldn't have been God's best. I would eventually had to come back. If I was going to ever do anything more for the Lord, I would have had to come back and face this. I would have had to come, not, maybe not necessarily face this church, but he would have still been working with me to do my calling. My calling was to pastor, was to um, do what he's got me doing right now. And I really love it. But it isn't, this isn't, um, there's other stuff coming that I will be doing, but not now. I got, I'm doing this right now, and I just really enjoy it. Can you tell? <laughs> anyway, I love doing it. So, um, uh, so anyway, back here to, to Goliath. When um, Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And um, so then also, um, let's look at uh, verse 24. Verse 24. Um, Again, it's another verse where they fled in fear. Um, and also, I want you to see then how David handled um, verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is the uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? And can you see David's confession right there? He was, he was confessing that God was God and, and that these guys needed to bow their knee to the name, to the name of, to God the Father. Okay, he knew his God. David knew his God in that situation, and he knew that God would bring him the victory. And that's what we need to have as a relationship with the Lord so that we know we have the victory. Amen? That's, so that's one, one thing you need to do is, is it to tread, is to know your God. Know that... God, and know who you are in Christ, what you've been given. And um, also David was reminded or told King Saul that he had uh, been delivered from the lion and the bear. And so also that was another thing. David was in remembrance of what he had done in the past, what God had done for him in the past. And, And that's something else we need to do. We need to remember what God has done for us in the past. And that's another way of treading treading upon the serpents. The name of Jesus is another way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move through this real quick, so we don't need to look at everything. Um, and then let's look at, um, oh, let's see. Uh, you can see in verse 45 that David, David uh, declared his God greater than Goliath. And then um, in verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands. And I will strike you down and remove your head. David had an excellent confession. 
David's confession was good. You know, he confessed. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. We overcome. And God has caused us to triumph in every situation to triumph. Amen. Okay. So, um, so those are, those are the ways we can tread. Praying in our prayer language is another. Worshiping is another. Uh, meditating the word. Um, uh, speaking out. Speaking out. Voicing, voicing what God has said about the situation. Just like David did. He, he voiced out that my God is going to defeat you. I'm just here. I got to do what I know to do. David picked up the rocks. He slung the rocks. And the giant was killed. But God had his part. He had to do. David did his part. God did his part. Amen. So we have the, we have the opportunity all the time to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, nothing shall injure you. Amen. Nothing. Okay. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to wind up now. <laughs> Father, we just want to thank you for your word that is alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Father, able to divide the soul and spirit, Father, bringing us a clarity and understanding, encouraging us. We just thank you, Father, for your, for your word. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to serve you wholeheartedly in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.